Blog Talk Radio. Glamour, fearless, diabetes late night. I'm gonna give you candy Come on to my house, my house I'm gonna give you an apple and a plum and an apricot or two hey. Come on to my house, my house, come on Come on to my house, my house, come on Come on to my house, my house, come on I'm gonna give you cakes and dates and the grapes and the cakes Come on to my house, my house, come on Come on to my house, my house, come on Come on to my house, my house I'm gonna give you candy Come on to my house, my house I'm gonna give you everything Hello, Divas and Dudes. Welcome to May's Diabetes Late Night Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick, and that cut by Della Reese, Come On to My House, has been in heavy rotation on my playlist for the last couple weeks as I prepare for this show. Thank you for tuning in to our unique blend of diabetes empowerment featuring great music, expert advice, fun games, and prizes to encourage you to live up your best diabetes life. Tonight, we're talking about overcoming the fears you might experience after being diagnosed with diabetes with musical inspiration from Della Reese, courtesy of Sony Music. This amazing nightclub jazz gospel and pop singer, TV and film actress, and one-time talk show hostess, as well as ordained minister's career, spanned six decades. In 2000, Della Reese was officially diagnosed with type 2 diabetes after collapsing on the set of her hit TV show, Touched by an Angel. Upset with her diagnosis, she began educating herself on the disease and learned how she, how she had the power to make meaningful changes in her life that would help her to stay happy and healthy. My guests tonight include author and diabetes alert dog trainer expert Debbie Kay, Central Farm Market's co-founders Deb Mosier and Mitch Berliner, master hair stylist Carlene Ricketts, the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, poet Lorraine Brooks, and Mama Rosemary. Plus, I'm thrilled to announce that Gwen Campbell from D.C. is our Divabetic Prize Pack winner. She'll be receiving prizes courtesy of Cabot Cheese, New Naturals, and Dr. Greenfields. You could take part in our prize pack giveaways every month by following us on Facebook. Now, take a minute to donate to Divabetic at divabetic.org. Your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. Before we play Della Reese's biggest hit, song adapted from the area from Puccini's La Boheme, I'd like to invite you to join me at the Mosaic Central Farm Markets on Sunday, June 4th for our first ever Diabetes Alert Dog Fashion Show. It's totally free. It's going to be lots of fun, and there'll be lots of fur and fashion. For more details on that, please visit us at divabag.org. Now, let's hear Delary sing you, Do- you Don't Know, courtesy of Sony Music. with you for the rest 
in the pharmacy of that particular hospital. And when they found out about my diagnosis, they were so wonderful to me. They gave me uh, everything I needed. They uh, gave me syringes, showed me how to inject myself, um, hooked me up with the uh, sales reps from the various companies so I had all the latest testing supplies and uh, the latest meter in those days we uh, uh pens were just coming out uh, I remember I had a Lantus pen and a regular pen and I had the latest of everything so I was really 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 lucky I know most people don't you know aren't that fortunate so I you know while I was disappointed and a little you know I, I wouldn't say I was scared I, I just you know felt bad that I had to deal with it but but again I was I was just really fortunate so uh, you know I I that's my story I I really was lucky more much much more lucky than most No I think that's really powerful and and I think because you know you immediately had a me- the medical uh team around you or your health care entourage really kind of slowing down the process and educating you along the way and taking time to explain things I think that probably was um really much more meaningful going forward, you know, for you it, as well. It was it was like, wonderful. Not only the, the people in the pharmacy, but, uh, you know, the staff of the hospital, they were really uh, absolutely wonderful. The nurses, the people in employee health, um, you know, everybody that I encountered was very helpful and very forthcoming with information. And, of course, I, I continued to share that information with everybody as I worked there. I worked there for about five years. And um, um, uh, all the reps who would come in would share all of the latest um, gadgets with me and show me how to use them. And they would give me samples, and I would share the samples with, with friends of mine. So uh, I had a unique experience, um, and it was one of the best things that ever happened to me, actually. So I, I feel like, you know, I pay it forward because now I talk to my friends, and if anybody has any questions, I'm I'm kind of the person that they ask because I've had it the longest, and, and I have some, you know, background in healthcare. So, um, I, I again, I'm very fortunate. Well, I'd love for you to share your poem for us tonight. Well, um, we talked about um, uh, for being first diagnosed. So the name of my poem is When First You Begin. When first you begin, the task seems too large and too long a journey to start. And hearing the news and hearing those words might leave you with a broken heart. Dozens of changes and things to be learned and managing testing and meals and measuring food and counting your carbs and monitoring how this all feels. When looking around at friends who are free to eat and to drink what they wish, we sometimes can think it's not fair that we have to pass up that pie or that knish. But once we get settled and look at ourselves and see that there's nothing to fear, we put ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and know that we will persevere. There's good days and bad, there's up and there's down, There's times when we feel less than fine, but mostly we know that no matter what, we'll come through like sparkling wine. Use your connections, assemble your team, and ask for help when you need. There's no reason why you can't live and thrive, and surely you're going to succeed.
Thank I you, really Mick. En- I, I really enjoy that poem, Lorraine, because I think you really touch on some, you know, you you make it so personal, and then you touch on something that we've always felt is so important with that idea of surrounding yourself and assembling your team. And uh, I, I, th- I just think, like, you mentioned that as well, how you're a big member of other people's teams, and I'm sure mm-hmm. you know how important it is to have people be a part of your team, especially after that initial diagnosis and going forward, because obviously everyone has to keep managing it day to day, day in and day out. And so that team really, I think, is so critical to how you live happy and healthy. And I had my team right from the very start, so I can I can attest to the fact that uh, it made it so much easier and so much more uh, doable because I had people around me who could who could help me and show me the way. And uh, uh, as I said, I like to pay it forward. So if anybody needs anything, um, they call me, and I'm I'm more than happy to talk about my pump or anything I can I can help anybody with because I had it very lucky from from the first beginning so i'm a very big advocate of talking about it and helping anybody who needs help well i'm glad you're a part of my team so thank you for being on the show tonight thank you max always a pleasure all right now our divabetic inspiration della reese landed up reoccurring roles on several tv comedies including chico and the man charlie and company and the royal family opposite red fox Despite all her acting, Della Reese never abandoned her music. In 1987, she was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Female Soloist in the Gospel Music category. Here's, one, here's another one of my favorite songs from Della's Swing Slow and Cha 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 album, courtesy of Sony Music. Let's listen. Oh, a house is just a house without a man. He's a necessary evil in your plan. There are many things about him you just cannot do without him Though it's just a constant game of cat and mouse It's so nice to have a man around the house You're listening to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick, and that's a very sassy Della Reese on that last song, courtesy of Sony Music. Tonight, Della's inspiring us to talk a little bit about some of the initial fears and emotions you may experience after being diagnosed with diabetes. I'd like to read another blog post from a 30-year-old woman named Kelly from the Diabetes Sisters website. I was using birth control pills when I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and my blood sugars went haywire. It seemed as though my life went from from a nice routine to constant chaos overnight. Like many women with diabetes, I also battle depression. However, I have found that daily exercise and a good sense of humor are what get me through the trials and tribulations of diabetes. Well, I know someone who helps get me through the trials and tribulations every month. Please welcome to the show the Charlie's Angel of Outreach, Patricia Addie Gentle. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, you know, Lorraine talked about her experience, which I think was so um, amazing because she works in a hospital. You know, I love to do diabetes outreach in hospitals because I like them to have a, a nice experience before they experience something like Della Reese did, which was pretty dramatic. She collapsed on the set of Touched by an Angel and then was obviously rushed to the hospital. And I think her story is much more common, actually, than Lorraine's. 
And as a diabetes educator, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are and about how what people what's going through people's head when they are initially diagnosed, and and how can they um, find some comfort in how to begin to manage something that may seem so overwhelming. Wow, that that's a wonderful way to start because there are a multitude of emotions that flood people when they realize that they have that diagnosis in anywhere from the stages of death and dying um, because actually having diabetes signifies to them that they have a loss of their health or a loss of control of their health. Sometimes it's like, I didn't invite this. How did I get it? Um, you know, why me? So all the way from denial and thinking that it, the diagnosis is really a mistake, being angry, just not understanding why me when I have a pretty healthy lifestyle and I'm looking at coworkers or family members who are just the opposite and they're walking around without a diagnosis. Uh, sometimes there's bargaining. Um, if I can just get over this or, you know, I'll never um, do whatever again, whatever they felt like led them or may have been a causing factor to lead them to that diagnosis, even depression. And depression comes and goes, and all of the emotions will sometimes come and go depending on what stage or what um, else might be happening. For instance, if a person may be through the denial, through the anger, and through the bargaining, and all of a sudden they get a new diagnosis, a complication of diabetes. They realize they have retinopathy or heart disease, and all over again, like, why me? Uh, why not someone else who hasn't taken good care of themselves? So all of those emotions can come and go from any time, uh, from onset all the way through the duration of the diagnosis. Don't you feel like people get a little frozen in time? I mean, uh, Della Reese said when she was first diagnosed, she was she was feeling so great, so she doesn't even know why or how long she had been living with type 2 diabetes, and she actually had no family history of diabetes whatsoever. So in some ways, she kind of typifies what you're talking about. Of course, Della's not on the show. I'm just kind of quoting a lot of research I did on her. I'm just wondering, you know, like someone comes into you, uh, Patricia, and is after that initial diagnosis is still kind of in this state of why did this happen to me? That really could be a barrier separating from them getting care. Absolutely, absolutely. There are people I have encountered who may have been diagnosed two weeks ago, and sometimes it was 20 years ago. And you would be surprised, even at a 20-year diagnosis, I meet people who are, as you stated, frozen in time. It's like, I, I still don't believe I have it. I'll meet people sometimes who will say, I know I have it two or three days out of the week, but then I relapse, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, here's this festivity or some big event going on, and I want to mingle with my friends, and I don't want any restrictions. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm in denial again. I just don't believe I have it. So they will uh, fluctuate. All those emotions and various feelings will come back and come in waves. Well, now, also there's this issue, and I know you and I talked earlier. I want to discuss what uh, you were telling me about one of your patients. Uh, some people have these horrific stories where they're diagnosed, and then they start um, getting treatment, 
and they actually feel worse. Now, earlier today you were telling me how you just met a gentleman who had been diagnosed with blood sugars uh, over 1,200. Yes, at diagnosis and uh, in the hospital, he he says that his blood sugar was registering over 1,200. And, yeah, uh, from time to time, if you have a blood sugar, maybe not even that high, but in the 200 ranges or 300 ranges, over a period of time, you become acclimated. The body adjusts, and the person does not recognize that they're feeling bad. It's just a normal way of existing, a normal way of feeling. And once the blood sugars are down to normal, let's say 110, 100, that person really feels dizzy and they feel that their blood sugar is too low and they will tell you they're experiencing low blood sugars when actually their blood sugar is in the normal range. And what is happening is usually because they have adjusted. I always like to explain it similar to riding a roller coaster. So when you're at a high altitude, your body adjusts to that. And once the roller coaster comes to a stop and you stand up, you're wobbly, you're dizzy. It's like, okay, I've gotten adjusted to being up high at that high altitude, and now all of a sudden being in my normal position, standing still on the ground, everything is topsy-turvy. And that's similar to the way this person is feeling when they have had an adjustment of those high sugars. Once the sugars are normal, it feels really weird, and it feels uh, they, they will sometimes even do a treatment eat carbohydrates, do something to raise their blood sugar when it is actually normal. So the best rule of thumb, like we always teach in our education classes, even if you feel high or if you feel low, it's best to test and to make sure that you're treating adequately and accurately for whatever the blood sugar may be, not just guessing. And I would think it's also very important that you tell this to your doctor because I know a lot of people lie to their doctors. So someone like you're describing who's on that roller coaster and comes down, in my opinion, would have the evidence to say, I'm not going to do anything because I was so much better before. Why treat it? And would go back to their doctor and kind of lie about not really dealing with it because of what you just said about that initial um you know, lack of health, that dizziness, the wobbliness, the tiredness, everything that just suddenly makes, you know, the things they love to do, like Della Reese, you know, acting on a show that for all intents and purposes was her dream to work on uh, Touched by an Angel. Here she collapsed on the set, had to leave work, was in the hospital. Again, I'm assuming, but, I, you know, I could see that she probably was a little bit discouraged. And then if she experienced what you're saying, where she just started feeling kind of uncomfortable under treatment, you do wonder sometimes, because I know you've seen this too, where people just, be, they just stop and they just kind of go back to their routine. Absolutely. They, they do that quite often. I spoke with a lady just today who has not taken her medicine in over a year. And But now she's beginning to feel the results of not being on medication. And, I mean, she just stopped. Um, so she's coming to us asking for help. You know, it's like she's finally realizing that perhaps the medicine is what I need, but she needs to renew prescriptions. But, of course, there are people who 
get stuck in that rut and feel like the doctor has made a mistake. And like we said earlier, they feel that they didn't have diabetes in the first place. And so being off the medication and, and feeling like they think they should feel and getting adjusted to that feeling, sometimes once they have an episode, it takes a bad crisis to actually realize that something is not right. I agree, and, and I hope people who are listening really take what you're saying to heart and reach out to us either on Facebook, Twitter, or through our, our website, divabag.org, or join us for a show and really share those emotions. Sometimes it's just so important to get them out. Uh, stick around, though, Patricia, because we're going to be talking to Debbie Kane in a minute a little bit about diabetes alert dogs, and we probably need some a little bit more information about dealing with the highs and lows. But before that, I have some trivia for you, Patricia. Okay. Did you know that decades before Oprah, our diva diabetic inspiration, Della Reese, became the first black woman to host her own daily talk show? Her show entitled Della premiered back in 1969 and aired for one whole season before it was canceled due to racial prejudices. Let's listen to another song by Della Reese, courtesy of Sony Music. Never cared much for moonlit skies. I never winked back at fireflies. But now that the stars are in your eyes, I'm beginning to see the light. You're listening to Diaries Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick. And hey, why don't you check out my old Hollywood themed Mother's Day celebration at divabedick.org? All week long, I've been posting fabulous recipe ideas from the decadent diabetic, as well as telling you about some of your most favorite Hollywood screen, silver screen stars and their mother, Mother's Day traditions. Um, so check that out. I'll be posting another recipe tomorrow. Actually, we're posting the decadent diabetic's uh, lemon tart recipe, which was inspired by Tallulah Bankhead. Now, I'm not sure if I should introduce this next segment as Glamour Furless or Growlmore Fearless. But as you can see, my diva brand of diabetes is quickly going to the dogs. Thankfully, my next guest will be co-hosting with me our first ever diabetes alert dog fashion show at Mosaic Central Farms Market on Sunday, June 4th. She's been a leader in the scent detection training for over 40 years, working first uh, search and rescue dogs and underwater cadaver, cadaver searches. I can't even get it straight because it's so fascinating. And today my guest is in the forefront of the fastest growing field in medical detection dogs. Please welcome back to the show, Debbie Kay. Hi, Debbie. Hi there. I'm, now, I'm I don't know about so you, Max, but I'm really excited about our fashion show coming up. I am, too, because you and I had called you because I was researching for next year's murder mystery at a um, – it's going to happen in Sleepy Hollow, and I wanted to know uh, a little bit about dogs. And so then you and I started talking about – you talked about diabetes alert dogs, and I talked about diabetes fashion shows, and then it was kind of like – your chocolate fell in my peanut butter, my peanut butter fell in your chocolate, and we said, let's combine and do a, a diabetes alert dog fashion show, which I think is great, and I'm thrilled to do it. Yes. Well, any time that we could get out and educate people about what the dogs do, uh, I think it's a really good thing. Well, in this specific um, 
focus on Diabetes Alert Dog really is blowing up. I mean, there's so much. I see it more and more in the media. Are you sensing that, that there's a, a much bigger interest, a greater awareness going on with Diabetes Alert Dogs and medical detection in general with dogs? I think as, as uh, more information is being made available to people, I am seeing a, a great increase in interest in the dogs. People are calling all the time trying to find out information about what these dogs do, what, how much do they cost, how long does it take to train them, what are, what's it like to have a service dog. I mean, all kinds of questions. You know, can they really help and, and uh, just, you know, what's their, what's their purpose? Well, let's tell everyone a little bit about that. I know you've been on the show in the past, and and we have covered this, but I always think it's important to let people know exactly what does a diabetes alert dog do or what is a diabetes alert dog capable of doing. Well, one of the points that was just made is is the depression that's associated with with diabetes, the confusion, the, the people all of a sudden have a label, you're a diabetic. Uh, and and that uh, creates a lot of uh, bad feelings for people. Uh, uh, they tend to want to isolate themselves, and, and there's a, a tendency not to want to socialize in the same way as before. And what we found with the dogs, this is kind of a, a, a side purpose to the service dogs. Once they get a diabetic alert dog, the dog helps to bring the person back around to a more normal happy state of being because dogs never judge people and they they don't put labels on people they just do their job it's like okay so you know your blood sugar's low come on we're just going to go out and we're going to have a good time anyway we'll take care of that and then we're just going to get on with our life and and because the dogs just keep things very simple and they give so openly and they just say come on don't be depressed about that it's a beautiful day let's go out and play ball or let's go out for a walk let's go do something let's go meet friends um, it really helps people to cope with the disease a lot better. And it's another reminder, you know, a well-trained diabetic alert dog, um, it doesn't replace any of your instrumentation or, or devices or any of the medical protocols or anything that might be used to control your diabetes. The dog is, is in addition to all of that. It's, it's just another way, another way of managing uh, the, the disease. And what what the dog will do is sense the blood chemistry changes in the person. And they're trained to alert at specific levels. And they can be trained to alert within a certain range of blood sugars, depending on the individual person. And uh, in addition to that, they could help out with a lot of other things. Recently, I had a young man come to me who had lost his hands uh, and he had lost his arms. I mean, the one one hand and then the one arm all the way up to the elbow, and he had lost both of his legs to diabetes. And he needed not only a dog to help him uh, control the diabetes because he had wild swings in his blood sugars, but he also needed a dog that could help him live an independent life. This young man had just turned 18, and he wanted to move away from home. And I thought that was a, a very noble uh, aspiration for a gentleman in his condition but uh, with the help of the dog we were able to get him a little bit further away from home and uh, you know he now lives a very independent life we taught the dog how to do all kinds of things to help him uh, bring him uh, the telephone he uh, the dog helps with uh, the wheelchair helps with laundry putting clothes uh, taking clothes off the 
young man and, and uh, pulling clothes like out of the washing machine, uh, answers the door, uh, you know, retrieves his cell phone if he needs it. Uh, let's see, pays for, like he gives, a, he takes the credit card out of the little holder on his wheelchair and he'll pay for things at the store and put the bag back on the wheelchair. So, so dogs can be, you know, useful and trained for a lot of things. I love it. And we should tell everyone they should check out your website, DebbieK.com, because not only do you put on workshop, uh, workshops and train dogs, you also have written a book. Um, I believe it's called Super Sniffer. Sniffer, the Super Sniffer Handbook for Training Your Own Dog. And I have, a, I have an online program also for people who want to train their own dogs. And then, and then my workshops, we all get together, and I help people to uh, overcome any issues that they might have with their, training their own dog. It's not complicated, but, it's, but the training from start to finish, from, from either a puppy or uh, an older dog, the training from start to finish has a lot of steps involved to get a dog that will alert under all circumstances and uh, getting the dog to understand their job because this isn't natural for the dogs. It's kind of like, yes, they, they know everything and they're aware of everything in their environment, but it's not natural for them to monitor a person's condition and then communicate that to the person. They, it's kind of like you're aware of all the things going on around you, but you don't necessarily report on it all the time. Well, with the dogs, it takes a while for them to make the connection between what we're training them to identify as a change in blood chemistry as as a job, so so this job of teaching them to monitor is a little bit time consuming. It's not difficult, uh, and I even have children in my classes that have learned how to do this with uh, training their own dogs, and they do a darn good job too. I might say. I love it. All right. Well, I live in New York City, and I just attended the dog fashion show. I had a front row seat. I was right next to Kim Kardashian, and we were discussing canines and, <laughs> and the fabulous clothes they have. So I know in Mosaic Central Farm Markets, I'm rolling out the red carpet, and we're going to be seeing some of the latest fashion trends for Diabetes Alert Dogs. Um, the big oh, question yeah. that's on all the fashionistas with furs uh, – lips, I guess I could say, is do Diabetes Alert Dogs wear tags or vests or patches when they're um, uh, from, with their owners? Like, what, what's the ultimate accessory? Well, the, according to the law, they don't have to wear anything at all. They could go with their uh, just natural furry coats. Um, they don't even have to wear a tag identifying them. But a lot of people will dress them up in their outfits of, of either harnesses that have uh, patches adorned to them or they'll have special uh, service dog tags made up for them uh, or they'll have a vest. And, and having traveled around the world, I've seen some really unique designs in these vests and harnesses and uh, different things that, that – uh, um, People will put on their dogs as they're working, but they most people will identify the dog as a working dog, hoping that the public, recognizing that it's a working dog, won't come over and ask to pet the dog, because that distracts the dog from doing their job. And so oh, that's so that's what it really serves, is just kind of be a barrier for me from just kind of interrupting the, jo right. the dog from its job. That's an important point for people, I think, to be aware of. It's a very What's important point. What's one more accessory, uh, Debbie? 
um, uh, we ha- accessories. Boy, let me tell you, the biggest one are backpacks or saddlebags. I don't know whatever you want to call them, but a lot of people like the dogs to carry um, like a medical kit. And they make special uh, harnesses now where you could attach these bags, and and we'll be having some of those at the uh, fashion show. And you'll get to see where the bags actually attach onto the harness. And you could put your medical kit in there. You could have your test strips in there. You could have a little glucose snacks and whatnot. And it's all carried around by the dog, so you don't have to carry it. I have to tell you, I'm so excited to meet you in person because I find you fascinating. And I just think you're so articulate and and well-informed, and I'm, this is such a great topic, and I, it's just going to be a blast, and I, and I love Central Fire Markets. They're going to come up in a minute tell us more about that market in Mosaic, Virginia. But people could come meet us in person Sunday, June 4th. We'll be there from like 11 to 1. We're going to find out the exact hours if they want to register their dogs or show up and meet you, meet me, and we'll have um, another educator by the name of Kathy Gold there to answer their diabetes questions as well. But thank you so much for being on the show tonight, Debbie Kay, and uh, looking forward to seeing you in less than a month. Yes, indeed. Me too. That's going to be fun. All right, well, I live in New York, and I'm going to be going to D.C., and our diva-betic inspiration, Della Reese, is an ordained minister who started her own church called the Understanding Principles of Better Living Church in her living room in Los Angeles. Well, now she's going to inspire me to get away from it all with this song, courtesy of Sony Music. a boat to Bermuda. Let's take a plane to St. Paul. Let's take a kayak to Quincy Anayaka. Let's get away from it all. You're listening to Ivy's Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Beck, and I'm going to get away from it all and go to Mosaic Central Farm Markets in June. You know, shopping at your neighborhood farmer's market is the easiest way to eat locally. You know where your food comes from since you know you could talk directly to the growers. However, more than one shopper has come away with bags of produce that went uneaten. Here to talk more about the best ways to shop at your local farm market are the co-owners of Central Farm Market in Mosaic, Virginia, and Bethesda. Please welcome, I think it's either Deb or Mitch, to the show. Hello. Hi. Hi, Max. How are you? Oh, hi. I got Deb on the line. I knew we, we weren't sure if you were going to make it tonight or not, so great yep. to hear yep, you. Yep, we're here. Um, so, um, you know, you, we were, I was just talking to Debbie, uh, Debbie Kay, so we're going to be down there on Sunday, June 4th at the Mosaic Farm Market in Virginia. Just tell everyone a little bit about it, and I'm sure they could find out more about the information either at your website Central Farm Markets, or uh, Debbie Kay's website, or divabeg.org. Right. Well, we're glad you're coming. We, we're very excited about this uh, opportunity to host a dog fashionista show um, and also get out the word about um, all the great things that Debbie Kay is doing and uh, Kathy Gold is doing and, and with regards to diabetic education and awareness. Um, Central Farm Markets operates three farm markets in the Washington area, and Mosaic is one of our larger markets. It's uh, located in the Mosaic District of Fairfax, Virginia, and we have, this year we have about 62 vendors that are there, and you can do almost your complete week shopping now at the farm market. Um, It's a healthy way to shop, and 
We encourage everybody to come out. We have everything from produce to uh, gourmet-made cheeses, uh, healthy yogurts, uh, fish, meats, eggs, uh, poultry, uh, just about anything that you could want uh, to take home and create a good meal. And I think one of the uh, advantages of shopping at a farmer's market is everything is fresh and local. It hasn't been trucked across country, and it is not spent two weeks in a refrigerated cargo hold. Um, so you know what you're getting is fresh. It's been uh, harvested either that day or the day before, and um, all of the fish is really fresh. It's, it comes in um, all the time. And, and the fish is sustainable as well. And there's a lot of things that we do at the markets. And we also have live music and seating for people. And we are, apropos of your earlier guests, we are one of the few dog-friendly markets. So dogs are welcome, and people put out treats for the dogs. So... It's really become like a community focal point, our markets. And going back to that dog point, we do have several dog vendors who uh, create their own dog jerky, dog uh, biscuits, and baked goods. And these are all healthy snacks. They're so healthy that you and I could eat them. They're just lacking the spices and the seasonings that a human would really take to. So they're a bit bland for us, but there's nothing in them that a human couldn't eat and that wouldn't be uh, positive for us in that respect. I love it. All right. So let's go over a couple quick tips and I'll rotate with both of you, alternate. So uh, one of the tips you sent me about shopping at your local market was knowing your seasons. Deb, what, what, do you, what does that mean, knowing your seasons? Right. We like to tell people to shop the season. That means that you're not going to find strawberries in February, but you will find strawberries now at the market in May. Uh, you're not going to find peaches in February. You will find them at the market at the end of June. So what's local and good at the market, and things are being grown now. We have uh, farmers that are growing in greenhouses. This winter we had tomatoes, we had lettuce, we had cucumbers. So there's no reason not to come to a winter farm market anymore because you can get all the good uh, produce and healthy things that you normally find all summer long just on a little bit, there's a little bit less of it uh, in terms of what's grown seasonally. So we encourage right. people to shop the markets. That's one of the reasons we have a year-round market because each season the uh, offerings change and you just keep shopping and making what that season offers. Okay, and Mitch, uh, one of the tips was go early or go late to the farmer's market. Can you explain? Um, I don't know what the go late means. I always tell people to get there at least an hour, hour and a half before it closes because, you know, you always get the pick of the litter, shall we say, and then there's always certain things that there's very limited amounts of. But we have a bunch of people that actually forage for certain things. We have uh, right now uh, morels that are being foraged from local forests. We have wild ramps. And they're not uh, cultivated. So you really have to get there early. The early bird gets the worm. And when certain berries come in, like the black raspberries, uh, they're grown in very limited quantities, so it's always best to come on the early side. 
Plus, in the summer, it's a little cooler in the mornings. All right, and then, Deb, um, you, we were talking about the difference between organic in the supermarket versus organic in the farmer's market. Well, organic is um, is grown. I think the difference you're referring to is not, not organic in the supermarket and organic at the farm market because organic is grown in a certain way, and it means that it's grown without uh, pesticides and it's the, the ground has been prepared for many years. So it's not the difference in organic. What you're finding between supermarket uh, items and produce and fruits and the farm market is the freshness. When you go to a supermarket, most of the time that produce has been shipped across country or from Florida. In our case, the East Coast gets a lot of things from Florida or California. Well, that takes time to send those. And often those kinds of fruits and produce are picked green And so they're allowed to ripen on the trucks. Um, That means when they get to your store, they've been off the tree for quite some time or out of the ground for quite some time. And I will also add, organic is we do not allow anybody, and nor is it, it is the law. If it's USDA certified organic, it can be found in supermarkets. It can be found in farmer's markets. But as Debbie said, um, the difference is generally the amount of time from pick to your table. But also, it's important to note that there are huge corporate organic farms versus small family farms, which we like to support, that are both organic certified, but again, at a farmer's market, you're not going to find large corporate farms. You're going to find the small family farmer. Great. And then the final tip, Mitch, was if you're confused about any of the foods like the specialty vegetables or produce or some of the meats, talk directly to the vendor. So that's different than just shopping at your normal supermarket. Can you explain a little bit about, you know, how people could approach the vendors and and learn more not only about what they're eating but maybe how to prepare it? Well, what you said is 100% true. Uh, Not long ago I read a statistic that the amount of interaction at a supermarket is one, and the amount of interaction between humans at a farmer's market is about 100, and that's because people speak to each other, exchange recipes, ask about the food, ask the farmer, ask the butcher, ask the fishmonger, the cheesemonger, where did this come from, what kind of cow it is. People want to be connected to their foods. That's not going to happen in the supermarket. Essentially, in the supermarket, the conversation goes something like this. Paper or plastic, did you find what you like? And that's about it. So um, when you go to a farmer's market, you can definitely have all the interaction you want. In our farmer's market, we hire professional chefs that like to show people what they can do with some of the lesser uh, known foods. So that's something, again, you're not going to find in a supermarket. And uh, I want to thank you both for being on the show tonight and remind everybody that on Sunday, June 4th, we'll be hosting our first ever Diabetes Alert Dog fashion show at Central Farm Markets. Is it, it's in Fairfax or Mosaic, Virginia, Deb? I think I got confused. It's Fairfax, Virginia. 
And if okay. people forget, just go to centralfarmmarkets.com. You'll get directions, times, etc. And we'll have all the information. We're getting ready to post the information. Um, so I've already had one phone call. Somebody called me about how to register their dog. So we will have all that put up there by the end of this week. And everybody can get all the information and come on out and have a ball that day. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of, uh, we got some good judges and we'll have some gifts for you and just have a good time in general. All right. Well, thank you both for being on the show tonight. And I'll see you in the rest of the month. All right. right. Bye-bye. Speaking of balls, I'm getting ready for the fabulous 2017, which is going to be a benefit for Divabetic down in West Palm Beach. But before I tell you more about that exclusive event, I want to let you know that Della Reese took on one of her most famous roles beginning in 1994. She played an angel named Tess on the popular TV drama Touched by an Angel. And guess what? Luther Vandross was a guest star on that show. You could look at their clip singing together on YouTube. Now, let's hear another song made, uh, another Della Reese song. Uh, Can I say it one more time? Della Reese covered this very popular song by Marilyn Monroe on her album Swing Low, Cha Cha Cha, courtesy of Sony Music. Let's take a listen. Men grow cold. As girls grow old And we all lose our charms In the end But square cut or pear shape These rocks don't lose their shape Diamonds are a girl's best friend You're listening to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick. And hey, it's time for Fifty Shades of Grey. My next guest is a professional hairstylist and the owner of Caroline Salon in West Palm Beach, Florida. She's going to help us uh, find out ways if uh, to make going gray a little bit easier and just as gorgeous. Please welcome to the show, Carlene Ricketts. Hello, Carlene. <laughs> Carlene? She's there, but she's on hold. Uh, Patricia, while we're waiting for Carlene, are you there? I'm here. You know, we were. Uh, well, I, I think she has. She's having a problem calling in, so we're going to try her one more time. But before we do, I know we were just talking to Debbie Kay as uh, a little while ago about diabetes alert dogs, and she was talking about the highs and lows. And going back to Della Reese and, you know, that confusion around initial diagnosis, I know there's a big fear factor involved with just dealing with highs and lows. So can you just kind of give us the basics and what would be considered a high or low for someone living with diabetes? Well, I would first suggest that a person with a diagnosis talk with their physician and see what parameters uh, that doctor is trying to keep them, um, you know, between what number and what number. But in general, you would think that anything less than 70 would warrant attention, something that you really want to, um, you know, stay within the 80s and 90s are good numbers. And any time you're and, – and it, too, the, depends on whether or not you're fasting, meaning you have not eaten in the past eight hours or longer, or if you are right after a meal. So after a meal, we would think that 140, 150 is not so bad, but 
if it's at a fasting time that you take a blood sugar and you're at 140, 150, then we consider that to be a high number. So you really want to pretty much keep the numbers in order to keep the A1C at 7 or less and in order to keep the organs healthy and prevent uh, decline and prevent the long-term complications, you're trying to keep those numbers in good ranges and anywhere between 80 to about 120 is considered to be pretty good. Okay, well, let's hold that thought because I'll see if Carlene's available, and if she is afterwards, we'll tell a little bit about how people should treat a low. Uh, Carlene, are you there? Yes, Max, I've been listening. It's great. Um, I'm so excited because you're going to be hosting a diabetic benefit down in West Palm Beach coming up quite soon. I think it's on Saturday, May May 20th. 20th. Tell everyone about Fabulous 2017. Well, Fabulous Fabulous 2017 was truly inspired by um, being affiliated with diabetics over 10 years ago. And it's just a pleasure doing it again because, you know, we truly believe in your inspiration, glam more and fear less. I love it. And so people could purchase tickets at CarleenSalon.com. Uh, or an event, right? Has tickets sold out? Are there still tickets available? There are still tickets available. We want it to be sold out, however. There are a few tickets still available. They could get it an event, right, or at the salon. And it's going to be fashion, hair shows, great food, and, of course, dancing. Yes, fashion, hair, art, art, I mean, we are glam, and food and dancing, yes. I love it. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about hair, because our diva inspiration, Della Reese, certainly embraced the gray. And I know a lot of our listeners out there are probably – in that age range where they're beginning to get gray hair, and I know that's kind of scary to think about transitioning from maybe from your natural color to gray or even deciding to maybe stop dyeing your hair and going gray. So I'm wondering what tips you could share with the divas out there. Well, in today's um, hair trends, when it comes to gray, younger people are becoming gray. They are actually dyeing their hair gray. So the elderly who are now gray is embracing it a lot more. All you need is a good shape, and there's a lot of um, fantasy tones of gray. Like you say, there are 50 shades of grays these days, and we're using gray now as a fashion trend, and it's ageless. Do you add lowlights or highlights, though? You know, because there's going to be an awkward stage when it grows out, right? I mean, you're going to start to see the gray. So how do you kind of make that happen? Well, it all depends on how the person gray comes in. Everyone grays differently. You have some persons that just gray around the outer perimeter. You have some that flushes through. There's all different. You have some that are young in their 40s and 100% gray. So for some people, it all depends on how their hair is. If someone is just gray around the outer perimeter and not a lot on the inside, we tone the outer perimeter and allow the inside to come out, you know, more fashionable. And if they're gray 100%, that's when it becomes fun because then you could add, like, vivid tones, like soft violet tones or cool blue or other tones that will make the gray pop, just like Delores, because she she has that gray that looked like she has, like, a 
very slight hint of silver to it. So you could really tone the gray and transition based on the percentage of gray that you have. Do you think in all the years you've been doing hair, because you started back, like, weren't you working in business around the years of yes. uh, Studio 54, and then you kind of transitioned? Are, are, right. you, seeing, are you seeing this kind of embracing of the gray as something that's a growing trend? I, I do know what you're talking about, about the gray hair, because on the train to Williamsburg, uh, all the 20-year-olds have gray hair. It's kind of a little bit frightening. But I, I'm just wondering, as, as far as, like, more mature women, is this the trend you're seeing that we're beginning to allow ourselves to age? Well, I mean, years back we were always covering. But now with the young people making a trend, we're not covering. We're toning. And now with more women going um, not chemically processed, it even gives gray much more fun because toning is not a deadly chemical. It's just just something to just keep because you have to keep gray clean gray can get very dingy it's almost like your white clothes if you don't really care your white it could look very dull or you know beigey or whatever so we have to use method and conditioning and toning to keep the gray white or silvery or vivid based on the person liking but it it does open up the window for us and i'm excited about it because Manufacturers are making, you know, conditioners that could keep the gray or shampoos that could keep your gray nice and clean to your level, whether you want it to be snow white or whether you want it to be silver or slate. Okay, well, we knew you were going to be on the show, so I was blogging about having you asking people for their glamour, fearless questions. I have two for you. Carlene, are you ready? Yes. Debbie from Austin wants to know, if I do extensions, will it break? Will my will my natural hair break off? Is there going to be damage because I'm doing extensions? Well, I always tell my client, how you go in is how you come out. So if you add your extension to your hair when the hair is in a weak state, not so healthy, obviously you're going to lose a lot. If your hair in pretty good shape and you add extension, you may lose some, but you can never go in 100% with extension on your hair and not coming out with a little bit of adversity depending on how you go in. But it's easily trim and condition and could revive you depending on you not abusing because you've got to think that the extension is has weight to it and it hangs to your natural hair that you are weaving, you know, braiding to sit that extension on. So sometimes the weight of the extension could affect your natural hair if the stylist who serve you is not protecting your own hair. Okay. And then Sylvia from Oregon said, I'm a blonde, but I haven't been a natural blonde since I was five. I'm now 32, and I'm getting worried that all that peroxide in my hair is really going to cause damage. Is there a way for me to get my Marilyn Monroe blonde safer, less toxic? Well, if you are a natural blonde, you can keep it without being, you know, using a lot of chemical. But if you are colored blonde with levels of hair tone, like, you know, let's say 11 being blonde and you're in between the 8 and 9 using numbers, if you could imagine what if 11 is and 12 is white, just go into the middle and see where that lives. If you live white, it's not hard to maintain your blonde without toxic chemical. But if you're living in 
you know, anywhere between, let's say, five and seven, yes, you have to use chemicals to keep your blonde, you know, fresh. And you are going to have new growth. And new growth will always bring to the surface what your natural tone is. So only thing could change that new growth unless you were white, unless you were gray. The best blondes are gray hair because you could use non-toxic product to keep that blonde beautiful if you are white on the tone. But if you have any levels, you know, that's in a light brown, blonde, ash, you have to do some kind of chemical to become beautiful Marilyn Monroe blonde, and it would be toxic. Yes, you'd have to use chemical. Okay, and final question. Oh, it's from Mr. Divabetic. It's a diabetes question for Carlene, who's hosting Fabulous 2017 on Saturday, May 20th. Which organ in your body produces insulin? Is it A, your liver, B, your spleen, C, your pancreas? And we have Patricia Addy-Gentle on the line. Um, what's your answer, Carlene? For the, I'm going to give you a drum roll. Again, we're asking Carlene Ricketts, the hostess of Fabulous 2017, which organ in the body produces insulin? Is it A, the liver, B, the spleen, or C, the pancreas? And I'm going to go with C, Max, the pancreas. You're going to go with C? Yes. Patricia, yay. <laughs> yes, I'm glad I got that one. <laughs> You've taught me a lot, Max. <laughs> <laughs> Patricia, what do you want to say about the pancreas? She is right. Uh, do you want to say anything about the organs and the bodies that produce pancreas? Uh, I mean, that yes. Produce <laughs> yes, the, she is right. The pancreas is the organ that produces insulin, and it's located in the abdominal cavity right near uh underneath the stomach, so she has done well with answering that question. Thanks. All right, well, thank you, Carlene, and I'm looking forward to hearing how fabulous 2017 is, and you're going to have to come back on the show and answer more beauty questions for us in the future. Max, it's going to be a pleasure, and, I'm, you know, I'm just going to, you know, ask your audience to just check us out on Carleen's.com or like our page, and they'll see runs from the show because we're definitely going to post all the excitement that happened all in the love for Divabetic, Glamour, and Fearless. I love it. Thank you so much. All right, but so before we meet my final guest, uh, I'd like to play another Delivery song that has a very special meaning to me on Mother's Day. Years ago, before there were cell phones, cable TV, and the Internet, I know this is way back in the 80s, I moved to Santa Cruz, California from Rochester, New York, to pursue my dreams of working in entertainment. I remember my first night in Santa Cruz, California. It was rainy and cold, and I thought I had made a terrible mistake. I called my mom. And she calmed me down and told me that I could always come home. Her words proved to be a comfort for me, not only over the next few hours, days, and weeks, but also the next months and years as I began my career in entertainment. I've never forgotten that moment because it really did change the course of my life. So I, in honor of my mom, who's going to be on the show in a minute, I'd like to play uh, Della Reese's version of Two Sleepy People, which is from the musical Ain't Misbehavin', which was my very first community theater job in Santa Cruz, California, with the Rainbow Ensemble of the Arts back in the late 80s. So here's Two Sleepy People. 
here we are, out of cigarettes, holding hands and yawning, look how late it gets, two sleepy people, by dawn's early light, and too much in love to say goodnight. Welcome back to Divey's Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic. I don't even know what I would say to that 20-year-old who went across the country to do something uh, that had no contacts and no real idea of what he was going to do trying to make it. But my mom sure knew what to say. So I love you, Mom, and I'm thankful that you're on the show today. Happy Mother's Day. Oh, thank you so much. It was so sweet of you to say that. And I do remember when you went to California and... and, um, uh, it was a little difficult for me, too, to have you go so far away, but uh, as long as you live and as long as I live, my house and my home is always open to any of my children. So um, I just uh, cherish you as a son and cherish your brothers as my sons, and there's no better title than to be a mother. Well, maybe there is, because uh, this year you're not only a mother and a grandmother, you're now officially a great-grandmother. <laughs> Tell us a little yes. bit about the newest addition to your family, our oh, family. Oh, yes. My, yes. My beautiful granddaughter, Jacqueline, had a lovely baby boy on March 8th, making me a great-grandma. I call myself Gigi to my baby. Um, he's just beautiful, and now he's... Um, yesterday he was two months old. Um, I, that went by so quickly, and he lives in Nashville. I wish he lived right next door to me, but she is so sweet to send me videos every week, so I stay in touch that way. And um, he's a beautiful baby, and um, certainly a very welcome to our family. Field Creekmore. Yes, Field Creekmore. Field Patrick Creekmore is an addition to the Zadig family. Yes. Well, again, happy Mother's Day, and please share your mother, your diabetes tip for everyone listening tonight. Okay. Well, I, first of all, I'd like to thank you for wishing me a happy Mother's Day and all the mothers who are listening to your program. Happy Mother's Day to you. Uh, so I will get on with my tip, which is for in honor of your upcoming Diabetes Alert Dog Fashion Show. There are a few important things to consider before you rush out to pick up a new furry companion. Bringing home a puppy or even an adult dog means a huge commitment of time, patience, and money. You have to teach your dog the rules of the home. Everybody knows about potty training, but you also have to think about the safe interaction with the children or other pets that you have in the house. At the top of that, make make sure you are prepared to pay for the things that, like initial shots, spaying or neutering, preventive care, the toys, food, and cleaning supplies, not to mention routine and possibly emergency veterinary care for their entire lives. So enjoy your puppy or your other animal. Take care of it. And for now, I wish you all ciao for now. Thanks, Mom. 
And remember, you can You're check welcome. us out at the Diabetes Alert Dog Fashion Show. Debbie Kay will be there. Kathy Gold will be there. I'll be there, and we'll all be at uh, Central Farm Markets in Fairfax, Virginia. Uh, it's happening June 4th from 11 to 1 p.m. Also, if you're feeling fabulous, and I think you should be, uh, join us for our Divabetic Benefit, hosted by Carlene Ricketts and Carlene Salon, on May 20th in West Palm Beach, Florida. Those tickets available right now. If you've never seen Carlene's hairstyles, it's amazing, and I think it's going to be a great night. Now, before we close the show, I want to thank all my guests for being a part of the show tonight, and I want to thank you for listening. I want to wish all the mothers a happy Mother's Day. Please subscribe to our Divabetic e-newsletter at divabetic.org. Visit Facebook pages and check out my videos on Mr. Divabetic's YouTube channel. Before I go, remember, every diva has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's get happy and healthy together. We're going to close the show with Della Reese's version of Won't You Come Home, Bill Bailey, courtesy of Sony Music. Come home, Bill Bailey. I come on home. She moans the whole day long. I'll do the cooking, honey. I'll pay the rent. I know I done you wrong. Yes, indeed. Remember that rainy evening. Put you out with nothing, nothing but a fine tooth comb. Yes, I did. You see, I know I'm to blame, and it's a low down dirty shame, little baby. I want you, please come on home. I'm wondering, I want you to come home, little baby, brother William. You come on home, this woman more. Because I know it, yes, I do. I know I done you wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you remember that rainy evening? I put you out and I gave you nothing, not a thing, nothing but a fine tooth comb. Whoa.